Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Paul is praying that there would be a love amongst the people of God that would join them together. And that's what God's love does. You know, God's love unites us. And when we're disregarding that great command of love, then we're easily divided. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, in a message titled, Complete in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, you know, we're making our way through Paul's letter here to the Colossians. And right at the end of chapter one, he spoke about warning and teaching every man that he might present everyone complete in Christ. And so here he is, in a sense, just continuing that thought. But I want to just read really quickly over those same verses. Obviously, it says the same thing. It just says it in a little bit of a different way. And I want to use some of the words and and ways it is worded as we look at the text today. So really quickly, Paul says, I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of the mystery of God who is Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him or made complete in him who is the head over every ruler and authority. So all throughout the history of the church and all throughout our individual lives as Christians, the devil is always at work trying to undermine our trust and confidence in Christ and trying to get us to shift our faith from Christ alone to something or someone else. And that is the danger that Paul is addressing here when he's writing to the Colossians. This was what was happening to them. There were these other voices coming in and they were trying to draw people away, not from Christ entirely. It's okay to have Jesus in the picture still, but they were trying to draw away their full confidence in Christ. They were trying to 
undermine the, the total sufficiency of Christ for the Christian life. And so Paul is addressing that very thing here. And so we're going to walk through these 10 verses, but let's just break it down this way. In verses one through five, Paul shares his struggle and deep desire for them. In verses six through seven, he instructs them on how to continue to progress in their relationship with the Lord. In verse eight, he warns them of the danger of being led away by human ideas that contradict or detract from Christ. In verses nine and 10, he reminds them of their completeness in Christ. So that's the way we're going to approach it here today. So beginning, first of all, Paul mentions here his struggle. He says, for I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you. And this word that Paul uses here in the New King James that says the conflict I have, it's the word that actually we get our word agonized from. And so Paul is deeply engaged in this battle, this spiritual battle for the Colossians and for them to maintain their position in Christ. Because as I said, we have an adversary. Your adversary, the devil, goes about, Peter tells us, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul understood that. So part of what Paul did was he struggled for them. And I think what we could conclude from his reference to struggling here, this is where he prayed for them. He prayed for these saints in Colossae. Now, remember, and he mentions it here, he says, um, I'm praying for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. So this is an interesting thing. You think of Paul is laboring in prayer for these people that he has never seen. And that is uh, commendable. And, and of course, this is something that all of us as believers can do. And this is something that, especially those who are in positions of church leadership, pastors and so forth, this is something that we do as, as part of our ministry. Our ministry is not simply to give Bible studies, to preach sermons, to you know, even go out and do evangelistic activities or whatever. That is part of it, but it's also to pray. It's to pray and to labor in prayer for the people of God. And remember, Paul, again, he's praying for people that he's never met. So sometimes we can limit our prayer to just our circle of friends or, you know, people in our church or, you know, even as a pastor, I might just say, well, I've got enough to pray about for, with my own church. So uh, I don't have time to pray for anything else. But this is where we want to have that bigger vision of, of God's people all around the world. And we want to pray for everyone. We, we want to struggle in prayer for them. And, and that's a point that we have made here at our fellowship to, to make sure we have a broader perspective, to make sure that we are not thinking that we are the only Christians. And, and we would not even necessarily consciously think that, but sometimes, you know, out of sight, out of mind, we can forget that there are other people. You know, personally, I have friends by God's grace and kindness to me. I have friends who are Christians and in ministry 
literally all around the world. And I have to say that in, in looking at this passage this week, I just, I was convicted that I don't pray more. And so just a good reminder, Paul is praying for them. That's the way he's struggling for them. It's in prayer. And this is what he desires. He says that their hearts may be encouraged and that they would be joined together in love. So that's Paul's prayer. Hearts encouraged and that there would be love among the people of God. Wow, this is so important to pray for. You know, we're living in a time of great division. The whole culture is divided. It's like every man has risen up against his neighbors, so to speak. And unfortunately, this is true in the church as well. And I read something funny on social media the other day. Somebody put out a tweet and said, you know, my parents told me about when the church in their generation, how the church split over the issue of carpet. Were we going to you know, keep the carpet or pull it out. He said, I'm going to tell my kids later how the church split over mask, you know, wearing mask or not wearing mask. And and these are the kinds of things that so often happen. Paul is praying that there would be a love amongst the people of God that would join them together. And that's what God's love does. You know, God's love unites us. And when we're disregarding that great command of love, then we're easily divided because we're not really thinking about what the other person's concern is. We're just thinking about ourselves. But if we're loving one another, then that is going to join us together. So Paul wants their hearts to be encouraged. He wants them to be joined together. And then he says this, He says, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, who is Christ. So all the riches of complete understanding. That's an interesting sentence here. Think about that. Let me take it this direction. If you don't understand something, then you're, you're not going to see all the, the benefits of it, all the blessings that are contained in it. But it's when you come to understand something. You know, it could be anything. Just, you know, here's something, I, d- I don't really get this. And then suddenly everything clicks. You figure it out. And you're like, oh my goodness, yeah, this, this makes total sense. And now as a result of that, wow, what, what a blessing. Well, that's true with spiritual things as well. You see, if I lack understanding, then I'm going to miss out on the richness that's actually there. So Paul is praying for them that they would have all the richness that comes with complete understanding and with the knowledge of God. And now he specifies, the New King James Version says of of God, both of the Father and Christ. All other translations just, just have Christ. But it's interesting because the point is that God is Christ and that we would be growing in our understanding of him. And as we do that, that brings richness into our lives. You know, I wonder how deprived we are so often 
because we're spending so much of our time on trying to understand all kinds of other things. It's not bad to understand things. Some things we absolutely have to understand. Some things we should understand. But we should mostly desire to understand the Lord and who he is and to grow in our relationship with Christ through understanding. And so Paul, that's his prayer. And then he just simply reminds us in verse three, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm gonna come back at the very end and touch on this, but just think about that for a moment. Paul is saying in Christ is God and in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Wow, all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is God. He's the maker of all things. He knows everything and we are connected with him. So Paul then, from there, he goes on and he says, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable, arguments that would take you away from full confidence in Christ. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. The good news is that the Colossians were, they were resisting these efforts by the false teachers to come in and they were maintaining a good solid relationship with the Lord and one another. Paul is commending them for that, but he's also encouraging them, let, let's keep it going. And so he says in verse six, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that is what salvation is. It is a receiving of Christ as Lord. And understand that Lord, Lord is really his title. And Lord means he's the ruler. He's the sovereign. So when a person receives Christ Jesus, they receive him as Lord. You know, it was Charles Spurgeon who pointed out that in the book of Acts, only two times is Jesus referred to as the Savior. Some 103 times he's referred to as the Lord. And I, I say that because, you know, sometimes people, they try to make that distinction. They say, well, you know, Jesus, I've received Jesus as my Savior, but, you know, I've yet to make him my Lord. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is Lord. When you receive him, you receive him as Lord. Now, you might not be living like he's your Lord. That's a possibility. You might be, not be submitted to his lordship, but know this, he is the Lord. And at some point, that has to be manifested in all of our lives. We can't go through our lives with this idea that, well, you know, Jesus is my savior. One of these days, I might make him my Lord if I get around to it, but I'm, I'm so thankful that he's my savior. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the Lord. He's our Lord. If we've received him, we've received him as Lord. And that means that we are to submit to his authority in our lives. But then he says, receiving him as Lord, 
and continuing to walk in him. Continuing to walk in him. Remember in the first chapter, we saw that same thing. If you continue. So this idea of continuing. The Christian life is a, is a life of continued faith and obedience to Christ. That's what the Christian life is. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is a person whose life is marked by continuing to follow and submit to Christ. And so he says, he gives some pictures here, continuing to walk in him, being rooted and built up. So two different pictures Paul uses. Rooted is speaking of a tree whose roots go down into the soil. And so that's how we are to be. As we walk with Christ, our lives are to become more and more rooted, like a tree whose roots go down deeply. You know, some trees, problem with some trees is their roots don't go that deeply. And as a result of that, there's some instability there. You know, we have in our area, we have a fair number of eucalyptus trees. And one of the things about eucalyptus trees is that the roots don't go deep enough to a lot of times sustain the growth in the other direction, the heights. And a few years back, actually right here in our community, there was a eucalyptus that fell over because of the shallow root issue, landed on a car and crushed a young woman to death. And uh, we can see you know, the problem that exists with trees that their roots don't go deep. Maybe it's been a while. I know it's been a while for me, but you know, think of the tumbleweed. When I was a kid, in, where I used to live in Los Angeles, there were these you know, open fields and, and they would get overgrown with tumbleweeds during a certain part of the year. And then summer would come along and everything would dry up and winds would come. And the tumbleweeds would just, they call them tumbleweeds because they just are, are blown in the wind. But if you ever look at a tumbleweed, you notice that the root is very, uh, it's a very small root. And so when the wind blows, the tumbleweed is at the mercy of the wind. It just goes with the wind. And that could also be a picture of what happens sometimes in the Christian life. And, and that's why Paul talked about people who were blown by every wind of doctrine in all these different directions. Why? Because they weren't rooted. And so we want to have our roots going down deep into the soil of Christ. And then he says, and built up in him. So roots going down deep, being built up in him, established in the faith, Paul says, and growing in thankfulness or growing in gratitude. Established in the faith. This is how we are established in the faith, by sinking our roots down deep. Remember the, the great promise of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, they meditate day and night, for they shall be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water who will bring, whose leaf will not wither, who will bring forth their fruit in its season, whatever they do will prosper. So who is that person? That person is the person who delights in God's word. That person who makes the word of God 
the priority in their lives. So when we're talking about being established in the faith, that's how do I do that? How do I get those roots down deep? I let God's word work in me. I subject myself to it consistently. And as a result of that, my roots go deep. I become like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, in verse eight, Paul now gives the specific warning to them where he says, beware or be careful that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. So what is Paul talking about here when he speaks of philosophy? A philosophy is a very, it's a term that's very broad, obviously. We can talk about classic philosophers and their philosophies. Uh, We can talk about somebody's philosophy of life in the sense of how they approach their life, how they take care of their bodies, the kinds of foods they eat. You know, sometimes we talk about our philosophy of ministry, even here at the church. And when we use philosophy like that, we're, we're talking about, you know, just a, a way that we view things and a way that we do things. Philosophy is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, good philosophy must exist if for no other reason than to answer bad philosophy. So, so there is a, a place for good philosophy. Paul here is talking about bad philosophy. And what that bad philosophy would be in Paul's day and in our day as well is simply this. Human ideas and traditions that contradict or detract from Christ's person and work. So this is a kind of philosophy that Paul's talking about. Any philosophy that would detract any philosophy that would contradict Christ, who he is and what he's done, that's bad philosophy. That's the philosophy that Paul is saying to be on your guard against. And so we could put it like this. Any idea, doctrine, person, or movement that says you need Christ plus this, that, or the other thing to truly be saved, enlightened, fulfilled, or to reach the ultimate in spirituality, that would be the kind of philosophy that Paul is warning us about here. So this is the problem in Colossae. Like I said, they're not saying that get rid of Christ. They're just saying, well, Christ is good, but he's not good enough. Christ is fine, but you need to add onto Christ. It's, it's Christ plus something. So anytime in any place where somebody comes up with the idea that it's Christ plus something that you need as a Christian, that's a, an idea that you want to stay away from. That is an idea that is just rooted in human arrogance and deception.
For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. The culture is obsessed with the physical body, whether it's the sexualization of a particular body type, gender dysphoria, what we do with our own body, or even body art, such as tattoos or piercings, our culture links the body with identity, which is how exactly is our body related to our personal identity. When it comes to identity, some may discount the physical body altogether or place too much emphasis upon it. But the body is neither everything, nor is it nothing. The body is an important part of who we are, because we are more than just a soul. If you want to know more about the link between the body, personal identity, and what the Bible says, or if you know someone struggling with identity or body image, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.